Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ever dance with the devil in the pale Inconceivable! Cowabunga! I thought this was a party! It's two Mosquitoes and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. whisper no welcome to two nerdskis in a podcast everybody it's the one show where two nerdskis come together and talk about everything pop culture and entertainment as always i am one of your nerdskis this is eric howdy fucking ho ladies and gents this is jeff and we are back with a brand new installment of the show as usual and um we we got an interesting one i feel like at least for me um this was Jeff's first time watching this, so um, surprisingly. So we are diving back into the works of one Zack Snyder. Um, I guess how this all started out wanting to talk about Watchmen was so we did our so we so we watched the Snyder cut for Justice League. And um, ever since we did our review with Reese, our Saturday special, I um, I'll be honest, I fell in love with this movie. Uh, I'm not going to lie. And so I, I, the Snyder cut is probably one of my favorite comic book movies I've seen in a very long time. Um, and as a result, it got me thinking about the rest of Zack Snyder's work, you know, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and his other comic book stuff pre DC sort of because Watchmen is technically a DC comic. And that's what we're talking about today. The long celebrated uh, works of one Alan Moore and his uh, legendary graphic novel series, Watchmen. So this was released all the way back in 1986 and 87, the original graphic story, graphic novel story. So essentially the plot of this, of the original story and also of the movie as well, because the movie is an adaptation, of course, um, it's an alternate 1985 superheroes have existed um, for the longest time. That is the biggest, that is just one major difference. Um, um, America and America and the Soviet Union are still at odds with each other. Um, we have, we have like uh, Nixon still in power. He is, there was a repeal of the 22nd amendment and he is, he has a third term um, or maybe even longer than that. Um, we, there, it's definitely an alternate history of events. And then the other big difference is there is, uh, there is one superpowered being, um, called Dr. Manhattan. And so the story kicks off not with Dr. Manhattan, but with the death of the comedian, a retired superhero turned government agent. And so Rorschach, the vigilante who is investigating the case discovers a plot that could pretty much unravel the world as we know it and it's a really it's a really interesting take on uh it's a very postmodern look on the superhero genre because it basically takes the genre and deconstructs it to make it more understanding and more relatable like you have this perfect you have this image of what it means to be a superhero now take it and put it in you know, take it apart and really kind of dissect it this 
And that's what Watchmen is. So Watchmen is very much celebrated as this very political. You have to remember, this was like the 80s. So this was during the height of Reagan, of the Reagan administration. So, um, and, and, and if you know anything about Alan Moore, Alan Moore, obviously he, uh, he also wrote, um, Fever Vendetta. He also did the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He's also, uh, he also helped create, uh, John Constantine, not Constantine actually. Um, and so a lot of, a lot, he really does not like it when Hollywood takes his works and he basically turns it on and, and they, t- and they basically take his works and they Hollywoodize him. And he doesn't, he doesn't like what his works have become since. Cause he, um, cause I guess it, well, you know, it's it's all about like how an artist wants their work to be seen, and so um, he hates what Hollywood has done to his projects since. And so um, the Watchmen movie was in production hell for almost for a very long time. Fox was supposed to have made the movie back in the early two thousands, but it didn't happen. Um, and then eventually, David Hayter, who is Solid Snake from the Metal Gear franchise. He's not only as a voice actor, but he's also a screenwriter. He helped he write he wrote a X two, X Men United, um, and he also uh, developed the screenplay for the eventual Watchmen movie. And so when Zack Snyder was really getting big with Three Hundred um, and Dawn of the Dead, uh, Warner Brothers approached him, or I think he approached Warner Brothers, and um, he became the director for Watchmen. And Watchmen came out. In 2009, in the spring of that year, I think it was March, if I'm not mistaken. I don't. Let me see. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to take a look here. Um, I actually saw this movie in theaters, and uh, well, I had read the graphic novel ahead of time, um, and I thought at the time, I thought it was a pretty faithful adaptation. Like it was pretty. It was pretty solid. Um, I know. I know it wasn't going to be soup. I thought it was maybe going to be a little bit action packed, just because it, you know it's a superhero comic. It's a comic book movie and everyone has these like expects how expects what a comic book movie to be and whatnot. But that's clearly not the case. You know, if if you read the story of Watchmen, it's very it's it's, it's a superhero story, but it's not a comic book. I mean, it's not a, a popcorn movie. It's a little bit deeper than that. And so um, I'm going to turn it over to Jeff. And so um, what did you, what were your like? what were you thinking like going into this? Cause I know this was your first time and um, you had never seen the theatrical cut at all. And so, cause I asked you to watch the director's cut. So like, did you, I mean, you obviously, I remember you had told me in the past when we did the Snyder cut, you were like, you had seen 300, um, you'd seen Dawn of the Dead. You didn't really like the first two uh, DCEU movies he did, but you really enjoyed the Snyder cut. So I was very curious then, about how you approached Watchmen. And then uh, if you want to just go from there, go ahead. So I was keeping my expectations pretty neutral because I think, because uh, I've, I've I've definitely changed my opinion on Zack Snyder because I, I used to fucking hate the guy. Uh, but I've definitely, I've definitely softened up on him. Uh, so I think, so my, when I saw the runtime, that was like three fucking hours long. I was thinking, okay, is this going to be, is this going to be pretentious as fuck jumbled mess Zack Snyder? Or is this going to be actual entertaining Zack Snyder? Like with the Snyder cut, for example. 
Mm-hmm. And thankfully, it was the latter. I I don't. I pretty much don't know shit about Watchmen. Right. I I know. Uh, I knew the basic premise. I knew. Uh, I knew. You know, Doctor Manhattan and Rorschach, and uh, I knew that glowing blue penis. That uh, <laughs> glorious blue penis. We had to bring it up at some point, and we mentioned it in blue our blue balls. Uh, am I right? We've all been there, fellas. Ah! <laughs> I told him to say that joke. <laughs> But yeah, we mentioned it before in now, our stepfather review, and so uh, we needed we. It was pretty much a given that we were going to have to bring that up at some point. But go ahead with your thoughts again. I expect my check in the mail, asshole. <laughs> uh, uh, so i I didn't really know what to fully expect going in, but uh, pretty much from the uh, from the get go, I was really digging the visual style. And uh, just taking like quick, uh, quick glances at the uh, at the graphic novel, I can definitely I mean, even just going aside from the uh, like from the grand scale of the story, I can just on a visual standpoint, I can definitely see why this would be difficult to to adapt. And at least in terms of visuals, it uh, like the way he frames a lot of his shots, they look like they're straight from uh, like straight like they're they're always framed like uh like a graphic novel yeah yeah it, exactly and uh so overall like i i definitely did uh, I, I liked it a lot and my thoughts are going to be very jumbled because i i literally just watched this thing like a few hours ago and it it's a lot to take in so i being unfamiliar with the source material and just coming off of a 3 hour runtime my head is kind of fried so Hopefully, I'm able to articulate my points in a relatively reasonable manner without sounding like a fucking idiot. Well, that's okay. But you know that you know it's going to add an interesting perspective. I mean, so like I said, I've I've read the graphic novel. I've seen this movie beforehand, like several times. Surprisingly, I haven't seen this movie uh, as much as I thought I would have. But um, it's definitely. It definitely takes a moment to settle in just because there's so much like the original graphic novel is like over 400 pages long, I think. And yeah. this is this is at least a three hour movie. So you're not going to be able to fit everything in here. And so so like you thought so the original cut or I guess the theatrical cut is like two hours and 42. It's no, it's like it's like two hours and 42 minutes. It's already a pretty long comic book movie, um, which, which was unheard which, of which at the time, which honestly, I'm surprised like they were able to get away with that. Yeah considering yeah and again considering because we hadn't exactly reached the point where comic book movies were had to be over two and a half hours long sorry <laughs> my voice coming like there, like coming from the same studio who said yeah just make that justice league movie exactly two hours yeah surprisingly this is so i mean Fuck warner brothers long. at some point yeah i know but it's it, surprisingly warner brothers let this one slide and this was before warner brothers kind of fucked Zach over um, with Justice League and with the rest of his DC movies. But um, this is so I mean, so the director's cut, it's it's at least so take that two hour and 42 minute runtime and add an additional 24 minutes. So essentially it's a lot of extended like moments are with like already pre-established scenes. And then like there's a moment or two that was not in the film. And we can definitely talk about that later. But I mean, I wanted to, I chose the director's cut because it's the more 
complete vision that Zach prefers. So there is the ultimate cut, which is like four hours long. Yes. Um, like, so what's the uh, so if the director's cut is the is like the is considered the definitive vision, then what's the point of the ultimate cut? So the ultimate cut incorporates the animated movie Tales of the Black Freighter. So if you recall, there's a kid at the newsstand who reads that comic book. And so um, the Tales of the Black Freighter, um, and we can definitely jump in, we can definitely establish more about it later, but essentially it's so the idea was that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, the illustrator of the comic, when they came up with the comic, they're like, well, superheroes already exist, so they're not going to be reading superhero comics. So they, they did a pirate story. And the pirate story is essentially, uh, it serves as an analogy or it serves as an analog to Ozymandias' uh, goal to whatever, to his plan, uh, essentially. It's, it serves as a parallel. It, uh, that's the better word I should have used. Um, and so the, the animated movie, I don't, I don't remember how long it is, but I think it's at least, at least maybe 30 minutes or so. I'm not too positive, but so Gerard Butler voiced the main character in that. And so by putting, so basically, um, the movie, that animated feature, um, is incorporated into the director's cut and that's what the ultimate cut is. So it's essentially the very complete, original story that alan moore and dave gibbons created um but it's really not really necessary to the plot and so that's yeah, why I mean, that, zach prefers the director's cut yeah that honestly sounds like that sounds like a fucking fan edit yeah but it's an, an official fan edit ironically enough but but yeah i chose the director's cut because there were some moments i remember when i watched the theatrical cut, I'm like why the fuck wasn't in this because this is because i found it important or whatnot but um well how what- what do they cut out of the uh, uh, from the director's cut in the in the theatrical? Well, the so I'll use one specific moment. So it was night out. So it was Hollis Mason's death. They cut out, and then and then Dan Night Owl two finding out about Hollis Mason's death and beating the shit out of the one guy in the bar, going like, "Who killed Hollis Mason?" And he's just threatening to kill the top knot gang for killing his essentially his father figure. Damn, I like that scene. Yeah, that's it's not only it's a really good scene and it's a really tragic scene, too, at the same time. But we can definitely go into that later. But so um, honestly, so um, first of all, I'm actually really surprised you like this because I honestly thought you were not going to like this because this was this probably was and honestly, this is a little pretentious, if I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, there was a there was one moment in particular where uh uh, where like where the building's on fire and they're uh, they're like they're they're loading the people in the in the aircraft and the little girls like looking at her mom, is this Jesus? And I'm just like, <laughs> oh my fucking god, <laughs> that's all right. You get Jesus in Man of Steel, isn't he Jewish? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tenic- oh yeah, technically, actually, yeah. Now that I think about it, but so but um, a little, I guess a little bit more backstory. So this is a DC comic comics property essentially um the idea was so they wanted so alan moore actually wanted to use actual dc characters like um so the question um whom rorschach is based off was going to be the actual character but um and they were going to use the blue beetle they were going to use uh like captain adam and other characters but dc said no absolutely not so what they did was they created an alternate an alternate timeline kind of story and they 
based off of they based off a lot of the they based off pretty much all the comic the superheroes off of like characters from the charlton comics which were like which is an old like comics uh company that like had classic characters that a lot of them have been that dc bought the company and eventually incorporated into their own line of like comics and so rorschach is based off of question uh night owl is based off of um blue beetle although arguably he could also be based off of batman a little bit um silk specter is based off of kind of like black canary a little bit and cats captain adam is based off is the basis for Dr. Manhattan. Although Dr. Manhattan is like OP as fuck in this. Um, and I don't remember who the comedian is based off of. And then Oz, I don't remember who Ozymandias is based off of either, but those are some of the basics. But um, this is very much, um, it's a very unique tale to say the least. I So first of all, the premise itself, an alternate United States, um, an alternate history of the United States how about that opening credits sequence or basically that for, so for, I guess, yeah, let's start with, let's start with the opening kind of like, uh, I like how it opens with Edward Blake, just like watching the debate about like the, the, uh, doomsday clock being turned, uh, forward by five minutes or whatnot, like five minutes to midnight, I think. And then he's murdered, but it's a pretty epic fight, um, leading up to his death. And he's just thrown out his, the window, and then it leads into the opening sequence. How'd you feel about that opening sequence set to uh, the times are a changing? It's, it was pretty fucking sweet. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, what, uh, what I like is how they incorporate uh, all these characters, like all these comic book characters into real history. Um, especially, especially with the Minutemen. Um by the way, so there's, you know how like Night Owl punches out, the first Night Owl punches out that one guy in the sequence and you see that that couple like walking out of the theater. So that's supposed to be Thomas and Martha Wayne. Oh, okay. That's what I understand. Because um, you can also see the Batman comics in the back. Um, or at least, the, yeah, the poster for uh, Batman number one with Robin in the back. Um, so... I like the parallels there. I like how they're all incorporated. So like, I like how, um, what's his name? What was that? Uh, Andy Warhol, like does like uses night owl and some of his artwork. I like how, um, you, you know, that classic picture of like that one sailor coming back and kissing his girlfriend or whatnot. Instead, it's, uh, that one, it's that one. Um, let me see here. Um, it's the silhouette. She's making, she's a, She's a um, le- she's a lesbian who kisses a girl, um, and she's murdered. Yeah, this this movie gets fucking surprisingly really fucking dark and deep. Yes, it, um, it does. So, so um, it, it the opening sequence. Yeah, the opening sequence is very much, um, very much interesting. I lo- I like how it's so we see theoretically in this timeline we see that John F. Kennedy was I mean we see John F Kennedy's assassination and we see that it was the comedian who was the real killer um surprisingly um which I, it's an interesting twist and I like I like that um and then we also see Studio 54 we see Adrian Veidt Ozymandias there he, um and you just, yeah you just see you see all these like established moments in history 
and then eventually the keen act is passed um i like how it it starts with the picture of the minutemen taking taking their photo and then you get and then it bookends with the crime busters aka the watchmen um taking their photo so i thought that was a neat um a neat bookend to the the sequence but and then we open up to um rorschach's journal tonight a comedian died in new york i okay i i gotta say this i fucking love rorschach rorschach is definitely the most popular character from so, uh watchmen so jackie or haley i think is he, he's an awesome actor like he's the only reason that i even wish to remember the nightmare on elm street remake mm-hmm. uh but he jackie or haley is fucking awesome like he has such a great intimidating voice and uh like his body language is really spot on and i i really like uh i i just like the the small sequences of him just like walking down uh like dark uh dark city blocks and doing narration monologuing yeah yeah like it, it totally like it it does a good job at capturing that uh, that noir look that line i quoted at the beginning um at, for our intro that's that's a line that rorschach says so so to give you some context rorschach uh very much sees things in black and white he's very right wing um fucking hates would it be fair to say he hates women because his mom was a prostitute you could argue that um or yeah he pretty much is um he pretty much does because look at how the way he treats Lori, um or silk specter too um and he yeah he he um everything is everything to him he sees uh he's very moralistic um and he's not afraid i guess in the beginning he used to not kill criminals but then after oh that brutal death of so um, we can definitely talk about it later, but the death of that one girl, and then he just fucking snaps. Oh shit! Yeah, I actually, I actually had to rewind it a little bit just to see. Did they really just fucking do that? Yeah, they they fucking went there. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's probably so Jackie Earl Haley is probably the best actor in this movie. I that's not to say everyone is horrible. I think everyone does a really great job. Like, so say what you will about you know. I mean, if you don't like Zack Snyder's movies, say what you will. But I always find that, you know, the acting in all of his movies are like the he chooses some pretty solid actors and they all give like pretty solid performances. And I feel like here, you know, definitely carries on that um, tradition of like pretty solid good casting for his characters. Yeah, I I, I, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, especially with especially when you get to. um so Billy Crudup, who plays John Osterman, Doctor Manhattan. So he's so if before before you uh, think, uh, yeah, he got he bulked up and got blue naked. No, he's just wearing a mocap suit and he's got like dots all over his face. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that yeah, blue I, dick. I, I, I kind of figured. <laughs> we can definitely talk more about him later because there's definitely a lot to say about each character. Um, I I had no idea Patrick Wilson was in this movie because I I'm a fan of Patrick Wilson I I, I definitely I, I can't fucking talk right now Patrick, <laughs> Wilson, Patrick Wilson's an awesome actor and I'm not the biggest fan of the Conjuring movies but uh, he's definitely uh, one of the highlights of those yeah because that's right and you know he you you haven't seen Aquaman right I haven't uh, 
Oh, something you have to see. Bone Tomahawk. Bone. Oh, I think I've heard about it. Is uh... Kurt, Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that like about like it's like zombies in the West or in the West? Oh, it's uh, uh, cannibals. Vampires in the West. Cannibals. Cannibals. Oh, okay. it's fucking awesome. Mm. Okay. Ah, but yeah, so you have so yeah, so a lot of these so a lot of these actor a lot of these characters are um really well done, I feel like. Um especially especially um especially Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach. Like um so I guess we can go one by one with the characters. Um so let's definitely talk about Rorschach. So like I said, Rorschach definitely has um definitely very right wing and very much um misogynistic towards women um he's he, he yeah very much a man who sees everything in black and white so i wanted to talk about i guess we could talk about the the sequence he has with um malcolm long the psychiatrist or psychologist that he talks to when he's imprisoned in jail um so they cut some stuff out quite a bit for that but because in the original story, um, Malcolm actually there's an ent- that entire backstory about um, about Walter Kovacs, aka Rorschach, um, is expanded on. Because you get to see how much you get to really see just how much Malcolm has been uh, has been taken back by Rorschach. Because you know he wants to rehabilitate Rorschach, and he's because of because of his time of Rorschach, he just he's pretty much changed and he's, he's been fucked in the head. Like, um, his life, his life with his wife has been broken down as a result because he's just so fascinated with, uh, his case. Um, his optimism has changed instead of seeing a butterfly in Rorschach ink blot tests. He's reminded of a dead dog or cat he once found. Um, so yeah, Rorschach definitely changes his perspective on a lot of things and seeing Rorschach, um, Seeing Rorschach really fucking um, go to town on on the mer- on the the pedophile. Um, so in the original story, instead of chopping him up and feeding him to his dogs, um, he still he still um, no. And instead of just instead of just ha- going at, to town on him with a butcher with a meat cleaver, um, he actually locks him up in the house and then sets the house on fire. And he comments. Nobody got out. Um, it's a pretty brutal. It's a pretty brutal death. I'm not. I'm not sure which one I would have preferred. Would you have preferred seeing that, or do you think the version, the version of? I mean, I I don't know the. Uh, well, which uh, one would be more visually kind of like haunting to you? I mean, I guess. hmm. Well, what do you think would have been more effective? scene because event inevitably we are going to be talking about like um what was what was put in the movie and what was like left out i mean i would say the um i don't know because like based off your description it, it sounds like what happened to the little girl in the movie is a much more fuck is a much much more well, no it's outcome. that still happens to her that still happens to her oh it does Oh, what I'm saying is the death, the death of her rapist and eventual well, killer is different. Well, well, so is her actual murder the same in the graphic novel? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's just the death of her, the death of her murderer. Okay, is different. I see. I see. So, 
what I'm saying is, is so what I'm saying is, is in the original graphic novel, Rorschach brutally beats him up, ties him up in the house and then sets the house on fire and watches the house burn down. And then in the, in the movie, he just hacks the guy to death with a meat cleaver. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I think the fire would, would probably be a it little probably would have been more effective for me. I would agree because it it definitely would have it definitely would have given more of a punch to it. Um, yeah, just because of yeah, just because of just how um, I don't know, just simply just getting cut up. Um, I mean, doesn't I mean, really doesn't really give them as much as an oomph as like being burned alive. I mean, it was visually still cool, but. Mm. Yeah, pr- probably with that added context, like I, I can definitely see like where some people might have uh, complained about that. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about? So, how do you feel about? How do you like um, the? Um, I guess Rorschach's. So, I mean, you already said you really enjoy Rorschach in this. Um, one of my favorite moments with Rorschach is because I like the way he interacts with the characters. Obviously, he's so. He's such the a- reason why super, the reason why superheroes no longer exist is because of something called the Keen Act in 1977. So it was passed that vigilantes are no longer um, are no longer legally allowed, and so um, you you are not allowed to be a vigilante. So um, legally speaking, the only two vigilantes that are or crime fighters that still uh, can work are the comedian and Doctor Manhattan because they eventually become government pawns. And Rorschach is the only one openly defying the law. And so I like how he, I, what I like, so I really liked um, some of the imagery that he gets, especially when he breaks into the facility where Dr. Manhattan is. I'm like, I like when he's like standing over, uh, like a, standing over um, a wall, um, over a fence. And you see the lightning flash behind him. Like, oh, that's such a. Uh, yeah, that, that was, that was fucking cool. I also like the portrait when he like first zips up all the way to the penthouse for uh, where Edward Blake is, and you just see him like just crunched up, like you know, crouched up there. (laughs) That's not a word. That is a word, but like he's just he's just all pounced up up there, and he's just looking around. And you quickly see. By the way, how do you like that? How do you like his mask? Because I thought that was a very interesting. That was a really cool visual effect. Was his mask? Yeah, I know because I. I just kind of uh, always pictured the mask uh, just being like like a fucking potato sack or whatever. But mm-hmm. the fact that it was actually like the the color was changing in it, or uh, uh, or like the, the the black lines around it were always forming in different shades. I was like, fuck that! That looks pretty cool. I forget the official. I forget exactly how that works, but um, it's been a while since I've I've read the graphic novel. But um, but it's it's made out of a specific kind of like material, and that's why the ink block the you know the ink blot tests the Rorschach on his face is always ever changing um and it also fits his mood at times too but um yeah it's it, it I, I that's a really cool effect um what i like is that Rorschach is very much one i, I think i heard this description today or yesterday but like the w- best way to describe Rorschach a very dark r-rated macgyver because of the way he uses like everything around him as a weapon, especially. So yeah. Yeah. Especially like, so when he's framed for Moloch's death, um, and, uh, and like he uses like the spray, um, to like put the, put the SWAT team on fire. 
Um, he's already a pretty, he's already a pretty vicious fighter as he is, but, um, but like when he's able to use any tools around him, uh, this guy is almost unstoppable. Like he's very much a resourceful character. Yeah. I like how I kind of like, I like how like, um, so you never see his face until he's arrested. Um, and, uh, I like the idea that, you know, Rorschach, you know, Walter Kovacs is dead. Um, and that he, you know, he sees, he sees his mask as his real face. Cause that's, I guess it's a reflection of how he sees the world in black and white because, you know, the real world like kicked him in the, sh- kicked him down when he was a kid and everything, especially with his mom, the way how his mom treated him. And rem- do you remember the flashback sequence when he's talking to, uh, when he's talking to Malcolm long and, uh, he basically like bites the ear off this or like bites the cheek off this one kid. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, that's played by Zach- Mike Tyson. By the way, that's played by Zack Snyder's kid, uh, younger Walter Kovacs. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was like, all right, yeah. son, jump up on that motherfucker and rip his ear off. <laughs> okay, daddy. How do you, so, um, I guess going off of going off of the imagery, we've hinted about it a bit, but I think the cinematography by far and the color grading are some of the best. The visual aesthetic alone is very, very. I mean, we we mentioned it's very much a gra- graphic novel look, but like visually, it like this is. I've said it before. Like Zack Snyder is very much an auteur, and uh, he definitely know it. Like you can always say what you will about Batman v Superman, but I always felt that movie was i i never had anything negative to say about the cinematography for that movie because i I always felt like so when it comes to zach snyder's uh visual style it's uh it's his use of color is usually hit or miss i think uh you know when you have uh, something like 300 and he has that kind of beige tint to it but but you have like all the red capes of of the spartans it uh it it creates an interesting uh clash of color and it it worked Mm -hmm. And in uh, and in in this movie, you know, you have a variety of color, uh, you know, with uh, with all the different uniforms and, uh, you know, like the and just the surrounding environments. But when you have something like Man of Steel, it just looks like something. It just looks like it's completely grayed out and it looks fucking ugly. And it uh, and so I think he's usually hit or miss with uh, with his color, but when he nails it, he fucking nails it because it, uh, it definitely enhances his, uh, uh, his visual style. Mm-hmm. Especially when you get to, especially when you get to the scenes with, um, with the, with the scenes with Dr. Manhattan, but um, I don't want to get there just yet. Um, this is going to be a long one, by the way, because we're because like there's a lot to dissect with this. The way we're going to approach it is basically through its characters, because that's the best way to describe the plot. But I wanted it. So let's talk about the comedian. Um, I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I think he's a pretty solid actor. I mean, I liked him. And uh, I ha- to be fair, I haven't seen The Walking Dead. I've, I've I've never watched it. I've heard by all intents and purposes. He is great as Negan. Um, and here, like he play, so the comedian is basically, he's very much a cynical man and he sees the world as one big giant joke. Um, and, and, uh, you already know he's a really messed up character when he sexually assaults, uh, the original Silk Spectre. Like that was like, that's one of the like darkest scenes or yeah, one like, of the most oh, messed up scenes uh... in the movie. 
that's not pleasant to watch. Yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, like already that kind of already it's really always messed up. But yeah, just the way he. I mean, I, way I, he, mean I, I I respect this movie for going there and not holding back because like, I mean, especially fucking nowadays, I, I don't think you'd be able to, to make this make this movie the, the way uh, the way it is, which mm-hmm. honestly kind of says something about how because this movie isn't that old. No, it's only to that. It's only about hmm, maybe over. Was it? It's 2021 since 2009 so it's been at least it's been over at least 10 years since this movie came out yeah that's what like 12 years yeah 12 years or so um there is so the scene one of the i mean like there are two scenes that come to mind when when you think about the comedian so when they're quelling that when he and night owl are quelling that one riot um but just the way he just the way um just the way he he's like going to town on all those protesters um and then night owl is just horrified by what he's doing he's just like what happened to the world is like what happened to the american dream is like the american dream you're looking at it very very dark outlook and then especially when and then the other scene that points to mind is his scene in vietnam with uh, dr manhattan that was um, glorious <laughs> oh well but what's really messed up is just how like he just like how he um you know it's it's that it's it follows that old vietnam like war trope of like uh you know he he fathers a child or he like he's going to father a child or whatnot and so this woman that he oh spent the night with that he spent the night with like wants him to look out for and he just like nope and dr manhattan the most one the the most basically god in the watchman universe could do anything could have stopped him and instead just is just let, let just, it happen just that too late to just let the comedian just shoot the woman in the face uh and he's just like god help us all as he when, walks away yeah when like, what when, a brutal brutal like, like, yeah when, when, when she's like pretty late into pregnancy too it's like yeah oh, shit yeah the comedian's not a very uh, let's put it this way a lot of the characters are not he he's not a nice man no, but my my point is that a lot of these characters are not they're great characters, but they're not great people. Um especially Rorschach and comedian especially. Like you could argue that um and especially Ozymandias, but I mean you could argue that Dr. Manhattan is trying to struggle with himself cuz he is he's basically god. Uh, Laurie's just he she wants nothing to do with the superhero life. She's tried to escape it her entire life. And then, uh, and then Dan Dryberg, Night Owl Two. He's just he he re- likes to relive the good old days. Um, what I really like is um, what I really like is how they all have like their memories of the comedian at the funeral. And by the way, I love the funeral sequence. Um, you know, it's rain. It's a rainy. Um, it's a rainy day, and it's set to uh, the sound of silence. Um, Which the sound of silence will always work in a movie. <laughs> See, Arrested Development fucking ruined that song for me. Really? <laughs> really? So, like, how did it ruin for you? Well, because it, uh, it it was used as a as a running joke in one of the later seasons, and uh, so uh, every so every time I hear that song, I think of Arrested Development, and then the moment <laughs> the moment it's played here, I'm like, oh god, and I I laugh my I was starting to laugh really hard. I'm like, okay, I actually have to take this song seriously for once. Okay, mm-hmm. it it's not a meme. 
That's, you know, it does, it does bring up, to, it does bring up how, you know, we mentioned it in uh, our stepfather installment, but let's just bring it up here since we're about to transition. Cause I think in order to, I mean, you can both talk about Lori and Dan in like one like paragraph or whatnot. Cause they're basically dealing with similar, similar things. But, um, so Dan is basically, Dan is, you know, he's the, re- he's the, he's, He's the technological hero. He's basically, um, he is, he's the traditional classic crime fighter. His mentor and good friend is Hollis Mason, the original night owl. They like talking about the good old days. Um, he's got, Dan's got this, uh, giant owl ship named Archie underneath, um, named after Archimedes, which is, uh, Merlin's owl. I believe it was, it was named after. Um, and he's kind of like, he's, he's kind of, he re- he's relives the good old days and he really misses the good old days. Like he's, he doesn't feel alive, uh, as not being a hero. Like he feels like he, he's not able to do anything. And whereas like Lori's kind of, Lori's really kind of happy that she's not a hero anymore. Cause she was really, the reason she became a hero is cause she, her mother actually pushed her into the life. And, uh, that's how she met everyone else. That's how she fell in love with Dr. Manhattan um and dr manhattan himself we'll get into in a bit um but we'll see a little bit later but cool. do you, yeah do you have anything you want to add uh i had trouble focusing on her backstory a little bit because i was distracted by how fucking hot she was <laughs> well it's mal it's malin ackerman um one other movie i know her from was uh, that ben siller movie where she gets a little bit crazy with him um I don't remember. I forget the name of the movie, but I, that's the only other movie I remember her. But I know she's in a bunch of. Wait, she was in Harold and Kumar. Yeah, she was in Harold and Kumar. That's right. I forgot. Oh, that's uh, that's a that's a good fucking movie. We she, we need to talk about that movie. Who's she playing Harold and Kumar? Holy shit! <laughs> that's gonna yeah. Me. She plays she plays the one like like uh, driver's wife. Um, who's actually- oh my god, <laughs> fucking Chris Maloney's like hot wife. Yeah. <laughs> that's great fun fact fun fact fun fact it's funny because he would also appear in man of steel as uh that as like the one sergeant or whatnot um in the movie it's all just connected. That, yeah it's all connected now you just but, got Carolyn kumar show up in a Zack snyder movie that <laughs> everything can be laid well, to I mean, Cal Penn, well i mean cal and it's not Zack snyder's movie but cal penn did show up in superman returns so i guess if that there is any okay. Superman connection there. Close enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Lori, Lori was forced into this life by her mother. Play- by the way, her mom is Sally, the original G- Silk Spectre, and she's played by Carla Gugino. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's in a lot of uh, Mike Flanagan movies. Uh, did she's also a- in a, she's also like a staple of like Zack Snyder's movies at this point, too. Did you see uh, Gerald's Game? Oh yeah, wasn't that with Bruce Greenwood? It's it's basically based off a of Stephen King novel, right? Yes. Yeah, like she like she dies during sex, and like she's she's handcuffed, so she can't reach the phone or anything. So she's kind of like just stuck there and like losing her yep. mind in the process. Yep, it's oh she she's fucking fantastic in that movie. I do need to watch that at some point. Yeah, uh, I think it's uh yeah it's on Netflix, so definitely check that out. All right, I'll definitely check that out at some point, but. But yeah, oh, I, I, I forgot she was in Haunting of, of Hill House. I don't know if I saw that or not. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. I know that what you're talking about. I don't think oh, I saw her. Great I don't think I watched fucking, that. Great fucking show. 
I didn't. I didn't see the blind manner because I, I heard it wasn't as good. Mm. But yeah, no. So I thought she played a pretty. I thought she. I thought she was pretty good. She, so it's like she's playing the same character, but like you know, she's she was thirty seven at the time of the movie's filmmaking. I mean, at the time of the pr- production, and she had to play twenty five years old and sixty seven years old, and and uh, like. I thought, you know, I liked how she plays kind of a broken hero, a broken woman who's just been like messed over by Edward Blake because, you know, Edward Blake fucked her over. And then you learn that um, you learn that Lori is actually uh, Edward's daughter. So at some point after he sexually assaulted her, they actually did have a consent. They did have a consentful moment once, like a consentful intimate moment. To which I'm like, so, so they must something must have happened between them to have that moment happen. Yeah, like it doesn't justify the actions, but it it at least adds a little more context be, between the situation. Especially, especially when, um, especially when you know she doesn't. So the father that Lori had, um, so that obviously that's a fucking lie. But like, yeah, I guess because you see in flashbacks, like her mom does not really want her around the comedian. And like, she literally yells at Blake at points. And then like, so in the, in the graphic novel, she actually um, confront. So she never, she didn't really, she didn't know about the sexual assault until like later in life. And so she actually angrily confronts Edward Blake in the graphic novel. And she's like, how dare you insult my, how dare you do that to her? And he actually goes only once. Which is, and that's when you, and that's when she realizes that the comedian was her father. And that's during that sequence where she's talking to Dr. Manhattan in, uh, on Mars, um, which is, yeah, Lori's, Lori's got a really messed up kind of life to say the least. Um, and I feel, I, you do feel bad for her character, how she's, how she's just thrust into this world where, where, that she really did not want anything to do with. But ultimately in the end, she learns to embrace her past and she learns to, become you know the hero that she never really wanted to be um whereas you have you have dan who ultimately so because of just how distant dr manhattan is she goes to she goes to live with dan and you can see them have a you can see that that they do that there is an attraction between them it's never really it's it's clear but they have trouble like a minute and at some point um she's they finally they finally reveal that they are into each other and they try and they try and consummate their relationship it doesn't work out the first time around and then you see, I, I how do you feel about that dream, dream sequence by the way that dan has where like um they're both nude and then like they're in their costumes and then a nuke like engulfs them like i thought that was a i thought that was a very like visually stunning sequence especially. i mean yeah, i mean yeah uh visually like it was fucking cool. It, <laughs> uh, like honestly, that that kind of sums up my feelings for this for this movie, like uh, all around. Because I, because again, I've I've never seen this movie before, and I just watched it a few hours ago. So mm. it's a lot to take in and process. So when you're like rattling on certain character names, I'm like, who the fuck is that? Uh, so I. Well, that's why I, that's why I have to make sure I name the superhero character. There are superhero characters as well. So. Um, yeah, it's because uh, I definitely need. Uh, it's one of those movies where I will definitely need to go back and rewatch because I, 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 I definitely would uh, would watch this movie again. Uh, 
uh, especially to see how it holds up on uh, on multiple viewings. But uh, yeah, that that whole dream sequence that ooh, that looks stunning. And then, but but it, it's it that serves as like Dan's kind of like wake up call, kind of like he's like I don't remember the exact quote, but you know he feels trapped by the suit. Uh, you know he's afraid of the suit. He's afraid of potential nuclear war and a and apocalypse. And so he decides if he's if it, if he's gonna die, he's gonna go out on his own terms. And he decides he's gonna become Night Owl again. And so Lori decides she's gonna go with him. And so totally he not that, man. what? Totally not Batman. <laughs> By the way, so when we watched the Snyder, when we watched Justice League initially, when that theatrical trailer came, when that first theatrical abomination came out. So when Batman wears his tat- tactical armor, I totally was reminded of Night Owl. And then you're probably thinking, fuck, I wish I was watching Watchmen instead. <laughs> At the time, no, but yes, I would rather watch Watchmen than this, uh, than that movie. But, but so what, so it leads to the scene that we hinted at earlier. So because, so they go and save the family. There's that one dumb comment made, made by that girl. They save them. And then. And then um, I'm just going to say it right now. I can never listen to Hallelujah the same ever again. Oh, me neither. <laughs> and I and I was thinking, because like I said earlier, that uh, that she was distractingly hot in this movie. And uh, when a certain uh, series of events plays out and a certain song is happens to be uh, perfectly aligned with your current thought process. I'll leave it. I'll leave it there. I uh, so. I have a, fr- I have a, I don't have a cancel me, <laughs> but no, I have, I have a friend who, um, when, I remember when he saw this movie, he's like, he also had the same sentiment. He's like, Watchmen ruined hallelujah for me, <laughs> so which is funny. So like, so it's so funny. So remember when the first trailer for the Zach's for his, the Snyder cut? Yeah. I was gonna ask, like, song, I was, and I'm I was like, like, Oh no. I was, I was like, okay. Like I, I like what I'm seeing, but I, but I can't unsee. I can't see like <laughs> cockpit fucking. <laughs> ah, that's great. It's and like I, I've so for for years I've heard that song. I've heard that scene get ridiculed for like just how like ridiculous and over the top over the top sex is in that scene. Um, but as you as you said, Jeff, you you cannot you cannot deny just how stunningly hot. Is it Malin or Malin Ackerman is in the movie in general? And so you're you're kind of just like, eh. And you just take your laptop into the next room, close the door, and yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I just need to step away for, for something. Uh, in all seriousness, though, in all seriousness, though, to, t- to go back into like more serious territory, like in, in all like sincere territory, I always felt that, you know, well, well, I always on. felt that Lori was kind of the weakest character in the story. But well, 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 hang on, hang on, Eric. Are you saying that you you have you have uh, immense issues with Terry O'Quinn's dick, but not Patrick Wilson's bare ass multiple times? <laughs> I didn't have to see his dick, if that's what you're wondering. <laughs> I had to see the blue balls. Okay, see- that's fine. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> 
Listen to our stepfather review for more for more context. Fuck you. <laughs> <sighs> mm. Anyways, as I was saying, you know, I I, I always felt that Lori kind of had the weaker kind of like storyline in the movie, but it's still pretty pivotal, especially when you get to Dr. Manhattan. But um, before, um, so let's talk about Dr. Manhattan. Um, aside from the obvious, how did you feel about Dr. Manhattan? Cause yeah, just to clear paint the picture, like his origin, the way they do his origin story or they show his origin story is fucking phenomenal. I, the way they set it up, it's like, Cause he sees his past, he sees his future and he sees the present. Like he sees everything all at once. Like he knows events are going to happen and yet he lets it go because it's meant to happen. Um, and obviously he has all this power in the world. He is essentially the God of the Watchmen universe. And yet he's a very broken God, which I, that's what I really like. So if I, I made parallels in an essay I wrote a long time ago um, for college, cause I, I did an essay on, Watchmen and postmodernism for a film adaptation course. Um, and I, I always, I use the parallel that's often been used. It's so if Superman's about a God being a living as a man, man among, amongst mortals, this is, and learning to become a man. This is about a man who becomes a God and loses his humanity in the process. So, that's, that's interesting. Well, I mean, if you, I mean, if you really think about it, it really is because you know, you you can see just how detached Doctor Manhattan is from everyone else. Like he is literally a god amongst everybody, and he is he's he's one of the he's probably aside from Rorschach, he's probably this he's probably the most important and interesting character in the entire series. Like when you think about Watchmen, you think mainly the two characters that come to mind the most would be Rorschach and Dr. Manhattan because those are the two most popular characters from the story. Um, I mean, I'm not saying everyone else is, but um, those are probably the two characters you think of the most. And they're probably the ones that have the most, that have the most to offer in terms of themes and whatnot. Again, Rorschach sees things in black and white. Dr. Manhattan is just so detached from uh, humanity just because he has all this godlike power and he sees things differently than everyone else. So you have so you have this parallel again going back to Superman where Superman is essentially a god but he but he learns to be human living amongst mortals. Jonathan and Martha Kent made sure he was he was a human first and then a superhero second. And here you have very much the same thing almost a reverse of it where Dr. Manhattan again Dr. Manhattan is just so detached from everyone else because how can you relate to anyone else? The only connection he really has to the rest of humanity is Lori. And, and um, even then that's a very complicated relationship. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's so it's, it's, it's really, I wouldn't say it's hard to describe, but it's just such a, it's just such a really interesting deacon. This is why Watchmen is also really great because it, again, it's deconstruction of superheroes and this is, and Dr. Manhattan is like the poster boy of de of postmodernism deconstruction of this story. And so that's, that's why, that's why he's so influential and so pivotal of in the story itself. So I don't know how you feel about it, but 
yeah, he's he's definitely there is a reason why Doctor Manhattan is is such an interesting character. Oh man, uh, trying to think like where to even begin on Doctor Manhattan. Um, yeah, sorry, my like I said, my my brain is fucking fried. Uh, right. So. Uh, I would say like it's very interesting to see uh, to see a character that could blow up the whole fucking world by 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 the snap of his fingers and uh, but yet never uh, but yet even though like he has like all these god godlike powers you know he uh, still tries to uh, still tries to like maintain a sense of humanity you know because he's trying to maintain relationships and even, you know, make sure that he can perform in, uh, in the bedroom and can, uh, you know, like he's, uh, you know, he's confronted with guilt, uh, you know, even though he was once human, he's, uh, you know, like he, he's kind of getting to a point where he feels like he's beyond that, I would say, or like, uh, or like the, the world is so much bigger than, than what uh, people are, uh, you know, what they spend time worrying about. So I, like, again, I, if it sounds like I'm mumbling and talking out of my ass, it's because I am. <laughs> uh, it's your honest, but you know, it is yeah, still your I, honest, I, I, it's yeah, still your honest opinion. Yeah, no, because I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on the source material. And well, I mean, neither am I, but I do know, but, but I mean, I'm saying neither am I, but I, I mean, obviously, I just know I just know the story just because I've read the graphic novel and I've seen the story. Right. And right. I've seen, I mean, I've seen the movie before you. So, like, basically, I'm just helping fill the blanks for you. But um, I'm sure there are people who can better describe this as better as I can and better deconstruct this because obviously, you know, I'm doing the best I can here. But sorry, um, folks, this is the best <laughs> you're going to get. You're, you're stuck with us. I can deal with it. <laughs> But I do encourage everyone to like seek out to actually read the graphic novel um, if you are curious and, of course, watch the movie itself. But um, so the last real big character um, is Ozymandias, Adrian Veidt, the 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 retired superhero who's made who's basically lived off of his name and has basically made himself a philanthropist and uh, um, basically is the (laughs) basically is the main villain of the story. Cause he is the one who killed um, Edward Blake because so to break down Edward, Blake, I mean, to break down Adrian's plot. So Adrian, you know, he sees that the world is on the brink of nuclear destruction and he wants to save the world, but he sees just how divided humanity is. And so he decides that if the, in order to save the world, he's going to have to find a way to, um, united under one common enemy um so the plot so he basically he uses subterfuge and um and multiple other tactics to throw everyone off the trail and so what he does is he 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 implants the idea that um being around dr manhattan gives people terminal lung cancer and whatnot because of all the radiation and so that's the reason why he exiles himself to Mars. Um, he frames Rorschach for the murder of Moloch because um, Moloch found, learned about 
uh, Adrian's plot via the comedian because the comedian, for whatever reason, broke into his house one night and basically um, in a drunk and and emotional stupor talked about the plot he had just discovered. And that's why Edward Blake was murdered. Um, so, so this man is a very much a very cold and calculating villain. And he's one of the most effective villains I've seen in any comic book story because when the heroes finally figured out, it's like, do you really think I'd be telling you this really? Do you really think I'd be telling you this and not execute this plan? Because I executed it 35 minutes ago. I loved that line. It's it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, it's like, shit. We're too late. And so, but so essentially, so here's another difference from the graphic novel. So in the graphic novel, it's a giant fucking squid that it lands on New York and kills everybody um, within its radius. Zach, I wanted to see that. (laughs) Actually, I prefer Dr. Manhattan, the Dr. Manhattan nuclear explosion. I want the squid. Um, Trust me, dude, you would have, you will thank me when you'll thank Zack Snyder for using for the Dr. Manhattan uh, excuse or the Dr. Manhattan method. Um, uh, so basically, so because of, because of his plan and how effective it is, it causes the world to re to unite with everybody. Um, I mean, you unite and under one common enemy or, or against one common enemy. And if, the, if the plot is unraveled, then that means the world goes into nuclear war. So basically everyone is sworn to secrecy who finds out. Um, and, and of course, Rorschach is not having any of it, and it does lead to, it does lead to his death. Because um, Doc, how did you like that sequence? I, I was kind of, I was initially pissed because, like I said, Rorschach was was my favorite. But then it's like, like thematically, like all right, I I get it. Don't mean I gotta fucking like it. <laughs> How'd you like? How'd you like how his uh, how his remains were? Like it was one giant bloody, it was oh, one giant God. bloody ink blot test. I thought I thought that was awesome. <laughs> I I legit loved the violence in this movie. So speaking of so speaking of the violence, so the fight scenes are actually pretty fucking great. So one of my favorite sequence one of my favorite sequences is the um. So here's here's another difference. Um, so in the original graphic novel, everyone's a, everyone's a crime fighter. Um, and when you're a crime fighter, you're just a regular human and you can like kick ass and whatnot. Um, they don't show it too much. I mean, obviously, Ozymandias is like the OP uh, crime fighter. And the only one who can really defeat him is Dr. Manhattan because Dr. Manhattan's fucking God. The closest was the comedian. Like the comedian actually beat him in a fight. And then uh, round two was Edward Blake's death. So the only one, so um, Ozymandias is probably the best crime fighter out of all of them physically and mentally. Um, and, uh, and uh, so in this story uh, for the movie, basically if you become a crime fighter, you are a super soldier almost because so remember when Lori and Dan night owl and silk specter, they're, they're like cornered in an alley and they just break the guy's, they pretty much beat the fucking gang up. Like they break their bones. You see the bones exposed and everything. Um, that, that, that's pretty fucking visual. 
vis- visceral. Um, and then um, the fight sequence in the prison was pretty fucking awesome too. That was glorious. I and love that prison fight. So actually, like a uh, little side note, you'll never. I'm kind of surprised by this. Guess who gave this movie a perfect four out of four stars? Roger Ebert. Roger motherfucking Ebert. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Roger Ebert loved this movie. Um, like so, he's so. Uh, I was I was surprised. I didn't read his review, but yeah, I was surprised that he gave it a full four out of four because because um, at the time this movie got well, it was a theatrical cut that was released, so the movie was pretty mixed to positive from critics. There weren't a lot of, I mean, there are definitely people who loved it. And then there are definitely people who hated it. Like there are a lot of fans who, um, who were mixed. Like a lot of fans thought that Zach actually did do the graphic novel justice and they thought it was perfect. And then there are people who thought that he ruined it. Um, I mean, I mean like I can, I can see, you know, if you're a hardcore fan, like, like maybe certain elements like didn't grab you as much, but, it's one of those things where it's like to straight up say, this is one of the worst movies ever. I fucking hate it. It's no, like, this is, right, this is right, definitely you, not a horrible like, movie. Like you, you haven't seen too many movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, you can say what you will about Roger Ebert, like Roger Ebert. If I'm not mistaken, Din Roger Ebert was Roger Ebert, not very fond of horror films. No, not at all. Well, I, I heard he warmed up to like some movies in the genre, right? I heard he liked Halloween. He liked the first two Scream movies. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I like could be uh, mistaken. I mean, he, uh, I mean, he loved uh, Blair Witch Project. Uh, I think he gave oh. that. I think he gave that up a perfect uh, score too. But uh, yeah, just listen. Uh, listen to Siskel and Ebert's review of some of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. I'm <laughs> sure they like, fucking hated those movies. It's some of the funniest shit ever. <laughs> It's just like their blatant like misunderstanding of what the movies were. It's it it's like the most uh like uh like it, if you were a kid and you wanted to rent a horror movie, like whatever exaggerated excuse for your parents to say no, like oh if you if you watch this movie, you're destined to become a killer yourself, like because it, it it glorifies the violence and blah 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 blah. It's all that shit, and it, it it's it's pretty fucking funny. Yeah, I I think I'm not sure if. I, well, I remember there there was a really hilarious review that Roger and Gene did uh, for one other movie. I'm trying to remember. Um, oh well, I of course I remember what they said about Godzilla '98. They're like, look, if you're gonna put us in the movie, at least give us the courtesy to fucking kill us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like that was it's like shit. I was in a I was in a technically in a Godzilla movie, and Godzilla didn't squash me. Fuck you. <laughs> Side note, we will talk about that movie at some point. Yes, we will. <laughs> so, um, overall, I mean, I know, I know you're still like, I know this is still a lot to take in, but like, I'm, I'm surprised that you really, again, I'm really surprised you enjoyed this, especially given just how much there is in this movie goes on uh, i mean we didn't even scratch the surface of pretty much over, overall everything i'm like the best way to, to talk about this movie would be through its characters because the characters are really the best way to talk about it That's oh yeah amazing. yeah well because it, it is a very uh i mean it, very character driven yeah and you know i, I like how'd you let um yeah because there's a i it 
again, it's it's basically one giant deconstruction of the superhero genre, and it still feels like a real superhero story in the process. And so, I mean, of so to give you a rundown, like how the rest of like Alan Moore's stories go, like Lee of Extraordinary Gentlemen was a very much a far cry from what the original story was. I mean, it still follows the original premise of taking like Victorian era like characters and making them essentially like a uh, a Justice League of the Victoria nineteenth um, century era, but um, very Hollywood, um, v- not very good. V for Vendetta is pretty you, solid, um, and you can I thank that, that movie. Good. And you can thank that movie for why we didn't, for why we never saw Sean Connery again. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um. I know there's like a few other adaptations that were done, but like, yeah. Um, if you noticed in the credits, only Dave Gibbons, the illustrators credited because Alan Moore wants nothing to do with, um, any adaptations of his works. Like I said, but if I have to say, this is one of the better, this is one of the better, um, aside from, I would say V for Vendetta in this movie are the two best adaptations of Alan Moore's works possible. Um, and I mean, this movie, this movie's not for everyone. Like if you're going into this movie thinking it's going to be an action packed superhero movie, you got to you, you just put in an MCU flick. I'm as much as I like the MCU MCU movie or as much as I would like an MCU film. Like I like superhero movies that offer more. I think that's why I like Watchmen quite a bit. That's why that's why I actually like um the DCU movies. Cause Zach, I mean, cause Zack Snyder's at least trying to do something different with those movies. I mean, you can always say what you will about BBS. You can always say what you will about man of steel with the Snyder cut. He definitely, he definitely is doing something different. That's why I like that movie a lot more than half of the MCU films. Are, um, so I, I, I would say like the MCU, uh, I, I mean like there's definitely movies in the MCU I like, but I would say the, MCU- Oh yeah. I would say like the MCU is is like McDonald's where it feels very prepackaged, but it gets the job done and you know what to expect. And with something like uh, something like uh, like Watchmen, I would say it's uh, it's more of a more of a hole in the wall restaurant where you uh, you don't know what to expect and you you're not sure where your expectations are heading, but it throws you off guard a little bit. And surprises you, and it's and the and the result is really great. Um, so yeah, that's the best way I could describe it. But actually, that analogy is pretty fucking good. I mean, but again, that's not to say. But going off of the MCU, like yes, half the movies are basically McDonald's, but you can also say the other half are like like the other half. Like you know what you like. You get to the most important ones, and then you you get to. You get to your, um, you get to your other movies, and then you get to your basic Big Macs and whatnot. Um, and those, those are whatever. Those are like, and whatever then, uh, they are. And then uh, it's like you might enjoy the experience while you're, uh, uh, while you're watching it, but then later on, uh, if you reflect, you, you, probably not the best thing you watched. Yeah, you'll probably just uh, be having ex- explosive diarrhea. <laughs> And again, we're not we're not trying to bash the MCU. We're just saying half of it is good, and then the other half. I mean, you basically know what you're getting. But that's why, again, that's why I appreciate something like 
I appreciate the works of Zack Snyder because he's trying to do something like he's definitely offering, you know, action and stuff like good action. But he's also trying to make you think well, like he's well, very much an auteur of superhero movies, because well, at least like as much as I, I gave Zack Snyder shit, like it's undeniable that at least he's trying because because uh, I think like a majority of the MCU movies like they're uh, I think like what they do is they uh, they already like pre visualize all the action sequences and then they just hire on a director to just fill in fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. And so so it's like, oh, OK, so so that to me just says like it's very assembly line filmmaking and it's uh, it's like, OK, just don't don't drift too far from uh, from the plan. And so that that leaves very little leeway for an individual's artist, you know, to have their own voice. You know, it's because uh, like so many of the MCU movies just blend in together. Uh, like some of them, uh, you know, some of the directors are able to, uh, uh, you know, to have their style imp- implemented. Like Guardians of the Galaxy definitely feels like a James Gunn movie. Uh, but other ones uh, like Thor of the Dark World, it's like there's no fucking voice behind that movie whatsoever. Uh, but with, uh, at least like with the majority of Zack Snyder's films, it's, uh, you at least walk away from it th- saying that was a Zack Snyder movie. So it, at least I'll at least take, I'll at least take a, a vision that tried to implement grandiose ideas and actually get the audience debating and thinking rather than just everyone just leaving the theater just like saying like, oh, the action was good. And they said like a couple funny quips and then forget about it immediately after. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, the other thing too, is like, you can always, I mean, like, you can always say what you will about his movies, but Zack Snyder seems like, like this is kind of going off topic, but still talking about Zack, but like, he seems like one of the most genuine people in the business right now. Like, He's like an A-list director and he seems like a real genuine human being. Like that's very rare these days almost. Oh yeah. Hollywood is not full of good people. We'll just leave it. Not right now. Not right now. Well, has it ever been? Probably Eh, probably not. (laughs) I mean But but you know, when you get someone even though when you get someone who does things differently and is still like a genuine good person like Zach apparently is that's good. It means there. It means you know there's someone who champions doing something different, and like, and like there are still auteurs out there that are getting their visions like fully seen. And I, I still have yet to see. And I still have yet, to, as of this recording, yet to watch Army of the Dead. <laughs> I saw the runtime, and I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and I thought, and you just, and you, and it's funny you say that because you've been get, you said you've been, you gave this man a chance, and you're just like, nah. <laughs> well, like I, I heard, I heard uh, Army of the Dead was pretty shitty. So, I mean, like the premise sounded kind of interesting, but the trailer didn't do much for me. And I saw the runtime, and it's like, I, I like a good zombie movie. I just don't need them to be like over two and a half fucking hours long. Yeah. So overall, I would say. Overall, I would say just go watch go watch his, his remake of Dawn of the Dead. We will definitely be problemed. You know what? We should probably talk about that one too uh, once it gets to Halloween. Absolutely, to that yeah, and uh, I would love to talk about the original too. Oh yeah, for sure. So, but um, so overall, um, 
do you have any final thoughts about Watchmen? I know we, again, I, I know we haven't really scratched the, we haven't really talked about everything about this. Yeah, the best this, way to talk about this movie is through the characters, but yeah, yeah, you know, this, might, this, this might be one of the most surface level breakdowns of of this source material that you'll ever hear. So if uh, if you leave us a one star review saying like you fucking idiots don't know what you're talking about. At least on my end, I understand. But at least Eric tried to sound like he sound. At least Eric was able to articulate. At least I'm trying. Point. At least I'm trying. The other thing I also recommend for sure, definitely read the graphic novel. If you and if you like the graphic novel and you like what you, we have to offer about the movie itself, definitely check out the movie. If you can watch the director's cut, because I feel like that is the best version of the film. Ten, Zach's team. Zach's tends to have a better track record with his director's cuts than his theatrical cuts. So um, if the snacks, if the Snyder cut of justice league is any indication. So, um, so yeah, definitely try and seek out that if, uh, if you get a chance. Um, But yeah, any overall final thoughts about Watchmen? I would say uh, I'm really curious on how this movie will hold up on repeat viewings. Uh, You know, after I'm able to, you know, take a uh, like take a more analytical perspective on it, and have a, now that I know what to expect, you know, I'm I'm able to you know break down more plot points in a more coherent way. So, as far as a first impression, I really dug it, but uh, I mean, I don't know if I I don't know if I say that I I still will on repeat viewings because I did see some of that Zack Snyder pretentiousness that I really can't stand. Well, this at, is definitely at, like at, early at, Zack Snyder, yeah. Yeah, so I saw that at a few moments, but uh, but it didn't seem to... It wasn't as distracting as it was in, in Man of Steel. Uh, but I, I would say, uh, you know, in terms of... Uh, in terms of, you know, superhero movies, especially when the market has been so fucking saturated that I'm pretty sick of them at this point, I would say that one, one like this... Uh, you know, before the like before the major boom, because this this came out like less than a year after Iron Man, I think. And after the Dark Knight, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, uh, you know, before we're, we reach the current iteration of uh, of superhero movies that we're in right now, this is definitely one of the more unique ones. And it's uh, I'm not surprised it didn't do too well at the box office because uh, it's because. Uh, a movie like this is definitely a hard sell for for such a wide audience, but I'm glad that it uh, that it seems to have gotten a lot that people are still talking about it. I I guess the question I have before I give my final thoughts is like I've heard this before that they say that this movie was made too early. That this was a movie that this movie was kind of this movie was like ahead of its time. Do you? kind of agree with that statement or are you kind of i mean i would say mm, i don't know because i would i would say something like unbreakable was on was definitely ahead of its time yeah that too because uh, i mean that wasn't like your traditional i mean when you think about a superhero movie you're thinking about batman you're thinking about superman you're thinking about spider-man or x-men you're thinking about the traditional stuff when you think of something that's a little bit different you think about maybe something like this or as Jeff said, unbreakable or even split in class. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, um, I'm curious of how this movie would have done if it came out like a few years after the fact. Um, but I don't know. It's, uh, 
I guess I don't, I don't really have an answer for that because uh, I feel like that could have gone either way. Um, because I, I feel like at least with uh, you know because this this was a project that was trying to get off the ground for forever, uh, so I felt like the the hype was there. It's because uh, I'm I'm trying to think back to to 2009 uh the the lead up to this movie because i i remember seeing the commercials for this movie everywhere and it just kind of it just kind of disappeared from the from the limelight after after it came out but uh in the years after uh i noticed more and more people were starting to look back and and reflect on it so i kind of like when movies are are like that where you uh it doesn't leave its uh intended impression on its on its initial release but it starts to get the recognition it, des- it deserves in the aftermath in the aftermath so it's a uh, it's like a fine wine yeah this movie definitely i feel like this movie definitely has definitely gotten a better reception in recent years probably because of like how probably de- because of like Zach's recent works for dc and Warner Brothers. Uh, I mean, technically, this is a DC Comics project, but no one people tend to forget that. Um, but it's definitely. I do feel like it was a little bit ahead of its time because you know this was. Well, I mean, Dark Knight was. I mean, Dark Knight was definitely action packed, but it was also it was also like it had a good meaningful story behind it. I mean, Spider Man Two was def. You could also argue was ahead of its time. I mean visually that movie was great and it dealt more about um the inner turmoil of peter parker and then here this is like what is it like this is more about like how would superheroes and a god interact in a theoretically in a realistic world and so you know for a movie that doesn't have a lot of action but definitely leaves an impression i think this movie definitely and especially the story itself this the graphic novel itself definitely definitely have a lot to say and i'm glad that it's i'm definitely glad it's getting more praise in recent years especially um someone like the critical drinker um on youtube who did a review and he and he absolutely praised i don't know if he praised it but he definitely thought this was an underrated movie by the way critical drinker is one of the best channels on youtube i mean i disagree with him on a few things but um i'm not but um, you know when he's on the ball, he is on the ball on certain topics. Oh God, but... yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, uh, Watchmen is definitely, I definitely an under. I, 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 a lot of people call call this movie a masterpiece. I hesitate to call it a masterpiece because there are. A few... I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't go that far. But it's definitely a very underrated comic book movie because it... I, mean, I, I would say, like in terms of, of cinematography, yeah, I, I, I probably agree with that. I just read. I just saw here the cinematographer Larry Fong. So he's like a long. He's like one of Zack Snyder's long, like long time like uh, collaborators. Um, so he's the cinematographer for Batman v Superman. So you can thank him for the cinematographer for that movie. Interesting. Um, but no, yeah, no, yeah. Visually, it looks great. Um, I mean, at times I wish the color were diff- the color palette was different, but. No, I, I like the characters are definitely what makes this movie so unique. Um, and the, oh, just the story so unique, the subject matter as well, and themes of of the postmodern superhero. Yeah, all things to really admire in the story. And I'm, I'm glad that, I mean, obviously, you know, we have the Watchmen TV series um, 
admittedly, I haven't seen it, but I have heard what people have said about it. Um, it seems to be mixed. People really do like that series, and some people really hate how that series has kind of like um, 21st century it, if you will. Um, by the way, the difference between the TV series, uh, some people think it might be a sequel to the movie. No, it's an actually it's a direct sequel to the actual original graphic novel, if anyone's wondering, um, or at least it's meant to be. But um, so if you don't like so if you have seen the TV series, you didn't like it, but you want to see something Watchmen the movie. And then, of course, read the graphic novel. Those are my recommendations. And no, I definitely highly recommend Watchmen. I think it's definitely an underrated comic book movie. It's definitely it's definitely one of the better ones, in my opinion. Like, I would gladly watch this. I would definitely watch this again. I don't know how often I would watch it, but I would definitely watch it over um, maybe half of definitely over half of the MCU and even over um, even over some of um even over some uh, other established comic projects. Um, but yeah, that'll, that's going to do it for this one. So I'd like to thank you for bearing with us here. Again, we just barely scratched the surface, but that's because there's just so much to talk about. So again, I highly recommend reading the graphic novel and um, watching the film itself, director's cut if you can. So be sure to follow the show on uh, Instagram, of course, at TNAPcast. That's T-N-A-A-P-C-A-S-T. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and comment on the videos and give us any suggestions and it helps with the algorithm and the algorithm is also uh, very uh, appreciated if you give it a five star rating and if you subscribe and like to like the show on Apple Podcasts and of course if you have Spotify we're on there too and subscribe there as well but yeah that's going to do it for this installment of Two Nerds Skis and a Podcast for this week and uh I'm surprised by I'm surprised that we actually did not talk. Uh, we mentioned it, but we didn't talk about those blue balls <laughs> all all that much. <laughs> wow. Why um, are you like, do, do you want to go into extensive detail? Stop it. <laughs> stop it. I know I did. I know I did. <sighs> all right. Well, this is Eric. This is Jeff. Um, please stay shiny, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Next level. Next level.